It is uh, name tag Sunday too, so in case you don't know who I am, I'm Alan. I see name tags all over you. Glad that you're here. So grateful for the opportunity to come together and worship. We take this for granted. We really do uh, in our nation. And uh, there are many, many places today where the church is gathering secretly, privately, to have church, to worship, to do what we did today, to baptize. Uh, we were not long, too many years ago, we were in uh, Romania, and one of our stops uh, was in um, a city that is near the, uh, the Black Sea there, and there was a lot of grieving and mourning because the church had, uh, of course, it was only newly recently um, out of communism, so there were still people that had that kind of an idea. But the uh, church had had a baptism down by the Black Sea, and uh, on, on their drive away, they were confronted and stopped by uh, members, communist members, and even members of uh, what uh, was the only church at that time uh, in the area was a Greek Orthodox. And um, out of that confrontation, them stopping the cars, there were two members that were killed of the church. And, uh, you know, we don't... Uh, we don't, we don't experience that. We don't understand it. And I'm just so grateful that we have the freedom to come together. And uh, while this window is open, that we have the opportunity to publicly say yes to God and uh, to celebrate uh, our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. We're looking today at a fascinating story. If you have your Bibles, you want to turn there. Uh, you can, uh, maybe your homework assignment would be to read uh, 1 Samuel uh, beginning uh, at uh, the first Samuel chapter one, all the way through chapter three. Today, our text is coming out of First Samuel chapter three, verses one through fourteen. But we're going to revisit uh, some of the the stuff that took place leading up to this. And whatever your favorite soap opera is, you have never dreamed the kinds of stuff <laughs> that goes on here in the opening of of this book. So. We're going to explore it together, but let's start with uh, 1 Samuel chapter 3, uh, beginning at verse 1. Would you turn there, uh, either on your phones, your uh, laptops, whatever, or on your the real Bible that you have in front of you? Never be afraid to take notes, too. I know God's what's going to speak to you every time we come together uh, about the applications of the things that he's saying through his word here. All right, so we're, we're beginning at verse 1. Meanwhile, the boy Samuel served the Lord by assisting Eli, who was the high priest. Now, in those days, messages from the Lord were very rare, and visions were quite uncommon. One night, Eli, who was almost blind by now, had gone to bed. The lamp of God was not yet gone out, and Samuel was sleeping in the tabernacle near the ark of God. And suddenly the Lord called out, Samuel. Or should we do the Cecil B. DeMille's version of it? Samuel. Yes, Samuel replied. What is it? He got up and he ran to Eli. Here I am. Did you call me? Uh, I didn't call you, Eli replied. Go back to bed. And so he did. And then the Lord called out again, Samuel. And again, Samuel got up and went to Eli. Here I am. Did you call me? I didn't call you, son. My son, Eli, said, go back to bed. And Samuel did uh, not yet know that the Lord 
because he had never had a message from the Lord before. And so the Lord uh, called a, a third time, and once more Samuel got up and he went to Eli. Here I am. Did you call me? And then Eli realized it was the Lord who was calling the boy. And so he said to Samuel, go lie down again, and if someone calls again, say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. So Samuel went back to bed, and the Lord came and called as before, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel replied, speak, your servant is listening. And then the Lord said to Samuel, I am about to do a shocking thing in Israel. I am going to carry out all of my threats against Eli and his family from the beginning to the end. I have warned him that judgment is coming upon his family forever because his sons are blaspheming God and he hasn't disciplined them. So I have vowed that the sins of Eli and his sons will never be forgiven for sacrifices or offerings. Father, we come to you opening our hearts today where we come grateful for what we have already experienced and been a part of as a community. But we come with expectation about what you want to say to our hearts and lives. Let us not miss the importance of this word today and let it take seed in us and grow. We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. So I said before, there's a lot going on in this story, and I need to give you a little bit of a backdrop. It's uh, a lot more than maybe your favorite soap opera. Uh, first introduce you to Samuel's mom, Hannah. And Hannah was, uh, you know, the husband of Elkaniah, but she was one of two wives that are uh, talked about early on that he had. And although Scripture tells us that he loved Hannah greatly, there's expressions early on in Scripture that show that he really loved her, he cherished her, he thought she was... She was great in this time and in this this uh, you know part of uh, of time. Uh, what was really important was having children, having heirs, and uh, Hannah was not able to at this point. Hannah, uh, Samuel's mother, was barren. She'd been barren for several years, and when uh, you know she was uh, the the wife, uh, the other wife was having children, you know, uh, regularly and. So she was mocking Hannah and kind of making fun of her and uh, treating her as a lesser person in the household for sure. And so one day we find that uh, Hannah goes and she's praying and weeping in the temple where Eli is the priest. And she's crying out to God and she's begging God uh, for a child. And uh, she, she is just uh, really pouring her heart out to such a point that it that Eli the priest takes notice. He, he sees what's going on here, and she's been there a good while, just really calling out to God. And she makes a vow to God. She makes a vow to God that, that if God will give her a son, and this is where we, we, we understand uh, the principle of, of dedication, uh, or dedicating our children to the Lord is one of the places is from this story, where uh, she says, you, if you'll give me a child, I will give that child back to you. And it's, it's really important that we understand that principle uh, taught early on in Scripture that we are owners of nothing, right? We are just sojourners in the world. We are stewards. And God's blessed us with the opportunity to parent for a season and to have children. We own them not, do we? <laughs> you only have to be a parent for an hour to know you don't own that child, right? 
I mean, <laughs> it's, it's quick, uh, the revelation, but she did understand that, and she was gracious uh, if, you know, God would give her the opportunity to, to have a child. And so you can read about that in 1 Samuel 1 through 11. But God answers her prayer, and he, and he gave her Samuel. Now, Hannah was, um, you know, uh, ready to fulfill her promise. And so probably, you know, going by the times, uh, that, that it was probably, you know, Samuel was probably about five or six when she takes him to the temple to drop him off. This is your new home. God gave you to me. I'm giving you to God. He's going to be a part of the ministerial staff there, right? And, he, he, and so he he's moves in. He lives with, with Eli in the temple. And he's taught, you know, to do various things in the temple that are necessary uh, for daily worship. And, and so he takes part in that, and that's uh, becoming his life. And, of course, God has a great plan here. He's setting up uh, a future prophet uh, for Israel to lead them back to God. But there is, there is more to this story that, that uh, even than that, right? That's enough, you know, that, that, that's, that's pretty good soap opera stuff right there, you know. Uh, but there's more to it. And, and as we read on into chapter 2, we, we start finding uh, that, you know, in, in, in chapter 3 it says that the, the, what I read earlier was that now in those days the messages from the Lord were very rare, Visions uncommon. It makes us kind of scratch our head and think, why? You know, what was going on? Well, we learn about it in, in chapter 2, right? Uh, listen to how the, the NLT introduces us to Eli, the high priest, to his, uh, his two sons, right? His two sons are full grown. They are ministers uh, too. They are priests too. And uh, so listen to how it, it introduces us to them. Now the sons of Eli, verse 12, chapter 2, were scoundrels. Who had no respect for the Lord or their duties as a priest. What we discover about them is that they were, they were born into the ministry, these two brothers, but they gave in to their sinful natures. This is not, not uncommon. It's not something that we have never seen, that there have been people who have been called and born into ministry, but are given over to carnality and are not leading the sheep uh, towards God, but towards their best interest. Has anybody ever seen anything like that before in your life? <laughs> Never, right? These guys, uh, scoundrels is, is a good word for them. It, we, they seduced the young women who worked in the courtyard, temple. Um, and, and likely there were scandalous stories all over about these poor young ladies who had come to serve in the temple and were drawn away by these, these men who uh, overpowered them. We have also heard that, right? in ministry, um, the misuse of authority. And, and then they also stole the sacrificial offerings that belonged to God. Stole them. Uh, they, there's, there's, there is, uh, as we're in the reading of this, uh, you go back and, and look at it, it's, it's more than scandalous. They, they sent a servant of theirs to go get the meat before it was even fully prepared, to just grab it right out of the pot and take it to them, and they were just, you know, uh, enriching themselves with the offerings of the people of all kinds, whether it was grain offerings or meat offerings or financial offerings. They were first at the table to take all of this. And the other thing that's pointed out in Scripture, and especially in the in the ending of what we just read a moment ago, God's holding Eli responsible because he did not uh, correct them. He did not call them 
to call this to their attention. The Bible says that, that Eli knew of their wickedness, but he did nothing to stop it. And uh, as, as a parent, he, he valued the approval of his sons more than he valued the development of their character. I want you to hear that. He valued their approval more than he valued their character. And so he was not about developing them uh, to value biblical values. And it's clear that he taught his sons to love themselves more than God. Listen, this is, you know, this is behavior that is taught and supported. You know, you don't, we don't have to applaud every time some, you know, someone uh, does something evil to, to approve. We can just turn away and not acknowledge it and not confront it, right? And so this was, a, uh, this was behavior that had approval because it wasn't confronted. They believed that they were entitled to the very best that God had to offer, and we don't know anything about that in the generation we're living in, do we? Nobody knows about anyone feeling entitled at all. They were entitled. This is old stuff, guys. This is, this is ancient stuff, all right? There's nothing new under the sun. These are all rehashed Satan plans uh, and, and behaviors that, that crop up in people. They're nothing new. As wonderful as you think you are, and as magnificent as, as we want to present ourselves to everyone on social media, uh, this is old. It is ancient that people felt entitled and, to what belonged to God. And, and we, you know, uh, as a result of that, it says that they ceased hearing from God. It makes sense, that passage of Scripture, when we read the soap opera, right? They ceased to hear from God. What, what does he have to say? He said it. You're not living it. You're not accomplishing it. You're not doing it. And so the word of the Lord wasn't coming to them because here's the deal, and, and I hope you take this home. God never gives a second word until you obey the first, right? He was calling them to repentance. He was calling them to conformity, and they were refusing to hear that. They wanted to hear the next one. Tell us something else that we might like to hear. God says, That's, I got nothing else to say. And so here we are. Now in those days, the messages from the Lord were very rare. Let's say that together. Very rare. And visions were, let's say it together, quite uncommon. Quite uncommon. We live in a time when mankind desperately needs to hear from God and hear God's counsel, but that God's word in community and around us is rare. All of this sets the stage for the entry in this story of the boy Samuel and God's ultimate plan for turning Israel back to God. And here he comes. At a time of the story in chapter 3, Samuel is, is very young. Uh, he's, he's already been in, the, in Eli's house for some time, so he's probably a, a very young teenager. And this is, uh, you know, he, he was trying to go to sleep and, and he hears someone calling his name. And thinking that it was Eli, he... He gets up, he, he goes to Eli, he says, here I am, uh, what, what, do, what do you need, you know, what do you want from me? And Eli tells him, I, I didn't call you, you know, uh, go back and, and go back to sleep. And so this happens uh, again and again, a third time, and, and it's, uh, you know, it's sad, I think, to, uh, as we look at, at, at the great fall of spiritual leaders. It's sad that, that the, the appointed spiritual leader over Israel at this time could not recognize immediately the voice of God. 
And it wasn't coming to him, it was coming to Samuel. But he couldn't recognize that God was trying to speak to him until the third time. And the Lord came and called as before, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel replied, speak, your servant is listening. The story of Samuel reveals to us, I think, three truths that are important for us as we say yes to God. Things that are necessary for us to understand principles, if you will. And the first one is the principle to yield. Yield. Be prepared to meet God on his terms, right? We are moving about at such a pace that God calls us to yield. I I often think of the story of, of Moses, you know, and the burning bush. And he could have easily just continued to walk by, but he says, I will see what is happening here. I will set aside what my duties are. I will get away from the busyness of what's going on, and I will check this out, right? And this is exactly what God is calling you and I to do, is to yield first. Samuel was uh, in the temple. He was learning. He was serving. He was growing. He was in the right place to hear from God and respond to God. And and so the first thing about yielding is, is to understand how we are positioned to hear from God. Are we or are we not really positioned to hear from God? There are so many things that can move us out of positioning to hear from God. We need to understand how to position ourselves to hear from God. And here are some things that I think we need to uh, take into account. Are you engaged in the mission that Jesus gave us? He's always speaking where he's moving. And he's always moving in his mission. And so when we get to a place that we're saying, I don't ever hear from God, we need to ask ourselves, am I in his mission? Am I on target in doing what God has called me to do? Praying daily is so important. I've had a couple of people here in the last three or four months that have talked about, you know, wanting to learn to pray, you know, the audible prayer more, uh, you know, uh, feel more comfortable with it, feel more comfortable in talking with God that way. So prayer is more than just talking to God, right? Prayer is, is, is really speaking from our heart, inviting God into our circumstance and our situation. It's an encounter with God, and we get better at it as we practice it, as we, as we open to it on a regular basis, on a daily basis. You know, for those of you who want to, to do better in, in audible prayer, you know, find a, a place where you feel like, you know, nobody's watching you or whatever, the backyard, a prayer closet, whatever, and go for it. You know, just pour your heart out to God. The shower is a good place. Uh, when I was a, a first youth pastor, it was in my first position, and I, I really I wasn't getting paid for it. So I had a day job, and I was coming and working as a, as a youth pastor. And we were praying over kids for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We were praying that they would be filled with the Holy Spirit. And and uh, so this this one guy, he just he you know he was one of our um, sponsors. Him and his wife were sponsors, and uh, very young, a young couple in their early 20s, and they were helping us out, and they were so excited about what was going on, but he had never been filled with the Holy Spirit. He kept praying, and, you know, and so um, he was, uh, I I got a call from his wife. His wife was named Lynn, and this was back when you had, you know, they had to really call your house. You had landlines, you know, and I picked up the phone, and Lynn says, "Uh, it's happening. It's happening. I said, what's what's happening? He said, Al, Al, he's he's filled with the Holy Spirit, and (laughs) I was like, really? That's that's awesome. And she said, listen, listen. And she ran to the door of the bathroom. He was in the shower. 
And I hear this guy just calling out to God, man, and just having this incredible encounter. You could hear it coming through the, the walls, of, you know, of the room and everything. And it was like, that's just awesome. It's really incredible. Praying on a daily basis, communicating your heart to God and hearing his heart for you. Studying the Bible. You know, opening the book and, and reading and uh, getting a passion for loving God's word. It makes it, it, makes it easier for us to, to know it. David said, your words, Lord, I want to hide in my heart that I might not sin against you, but also to teach it to our kids, to our children, the biblical values that, that are so important. Are you intentionally surrounding yourself with wise people? And I want to just say that not wise guys, right? There's... <laughs> And not intellectuals, okay? I'm talking about people who have sojourned with God enough in, in a season of, seasons of their life that they can give you counsel from the throne of God, the kind of wisdom that only comes from God. The Bible says that the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. People who walk in the fear of the Lord, are you surrounding yourself? Who do you have that you can counsel with about big decisions in your life? People that you can include. The Bible talks about the, there's wisdom in the abundance of counsel. When we get different perspectives and ask people, you know, so we're not just going our own way and doing our own thing. And so do you have that in your life? Do you belong to a community of believers and are you faithfully engaged in that community? Working and serving and loving one another. We have a beautiful community here and it helps us stay on track. And it's a piece of the puzzle in terms of us yielding to the Lord because we are positioned like Samuel was in the house of the Lord to hear from God. So when the messages are delivered, when the classes are offered, when our neighbors come up to us and say, God gave me a word to say to you, uh, take it, you know, uh, as, as, as uh, God loving you and caring about you. I was reading this passage of scripture this week and, and I just, your name came up and I just felt like God wants me to share it with you and here it is. And so all of this happens when we are positioned right, when we're yielded right to the Lord. Athletes do not uh, prepare for game day by watching TV or scrolling through social media, right? Or texting their friends with 35% of their time. They're, you know, they, they, they prepare successful athletes. You know, they eat right, they train hard, they eliminate distractions, and, and they live disciplined lives. It's, it's uh, you know, and this is, this is the way you and I need to be treating our walk with the Lord. The second part of, of saying yes to God is, is that part of expectation to hearing from God. Be listening for God's voice. Samuel was in bed. It was, it was dark, it was quiet, but his ears were open. He was attentive. And uh, when, he, when he heard his name called, he responded immediately. You know, he... He didn't, uh, you know, wait for further clarity. He jumped up and immediately began to do something, but it got into action immediately. Our lives can get really noisy and we can get so distracted. Are we making time and space for solitude so that we can hear from God when he speaks to us? Are we available to him in, in a way of expecting that he's going to speak to us? You know, I've been around uh, people, I know you probably have too, but I've been around some, some great men and women of God who, who live in that expectation that God is going to talk to them. And I was thinking about uh, a, a former uh, superintendent years ago, then, uh, Brother Gresset, and he, he, when he prayed, you know, when you, when you heard him pray, you thought you were 
in heaven with God. It was, he, he had this expectation that God was, he was talking to God. He was, there's God, I'm talking to him. And God was talking to him. And he was living in this kind of expectation. I went to visit him in, um, he was in a care facility. He, had, he entered there for his wife. He was uh, really able to kind of take care of himself. And his wife had passed. And I had been visiting them there and, and praying with them, probably on a quarterly basis. And one day I came to visit him. He said, don't come back uh, here to see me anymore because I'm not going to be here. And I said, really? He's 90 years old. He said, yeah. He said, a friend of mine's starting a church in California, and I'm going to go help him. (laughs) 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 Now, let me tell you the rest of the story because uh, his funeral, you know, was eight years later. That church started out with 30 people. They were 500 his, uh, his, the, the pastor of that church was 70, right? <laughs> and he was at the funeral and he said that they had uh, Brother Gresset move in with him, you know? And at 5 a.m. in the morning, this guy's praying in the living room, you know? And he said, it was miserable for me because my wife said, get out of bed and go pray with Brother Gresset. <laughs> <laughs> Don't let him pray by himself, you know? <laughs> that church went from 30 people to 500 people. He had an expectation that God was going to visit. Amen? He, he, one of his sayings was, you know, he was a country uh, preacher from Texas. It was his, his, home, his home state. And he said, I, he said, I listen to my fellow brethren, you know, preaching, and they're so eloquent with their words, and they speak so nice and everything. And he says, I, I think that they were called by God to comfort the afflicted. And then he says, someone will pass a tape on to me of a message I preached, and I listened to it. And he said, I'm convinced that, I have co- uh, that God sent me to afflict the comfortable. <laughs> <laughs> and that he did to his dying day. Do you expect to hear God's voice, or are you filling your life with so much mindless activity that you can't hear what God is saying? Are we consciously ignoring the still small voice of God because we're not sure we want to respond to it? We know there's expectation involved in it. We cannot say yes to God if we are listening to other voices more than we are listening to God's voice. Third and last is uh, we need to surrender. Surrender, be open to what God has to say and surrender. You know, we were talking a moment ago you know, in the baptistry with the, each of those candidates. The, the saying is, you know, you have made Jesus Lord and leader of your life. That's not just a saying. It's, it's you have done this. And, and there's, there's consequences to that. That means that you say yes before God tells you what he wants you to do. Right? And why do we do that? Why do we say yes before God tells us what to do? Because he's Lord. It doesn't matter what he says to do. He, you know, it's, it's just when he, when he said Samuel, and, and Samuel understood how he was supposed to respond, Lord, here am I. I'm your servant. I say yes. God says, okay, good. Here's what I want you to do. Then the Lord said to Samuel, I'm about to do a shocking thing in Israel. I'm going to carry out all the threats against Eli and his family from the beginning to the end. I have warned him that judgment is coming upon his family forever. 
because his sons are blaspheming God and he hasn't disciplined them. So I have vowed that the sins of Eli and his sons will never be forgiven by sacrifice or offering. It says, but Samuel was obedient. He said yes, even before he knew what God was calling him to do. And listen, when God laid this on him, this is a tough thing. It's a tough thing for a grown adult to go have this kind of confrontation with somebody you care uh, for and that you respect and that you think is over you, you know? And, you know, you start worrying, am I going to have a job tomorrow? And all, but Samuel said, yes, Lord, I'll go. I'll say this. I'm wondering about us this morning, are, are we willing to say yes no matter what? Or is our yes being held as we started out this series uh, dependent on, on what God wants us to do? The father that had the two sons. You may remember the opening message for God Talks. Are we waiting to see if this is really something we want to do? And if it is, you know, yeah, we'll do it. Are we holding out with God and saying, you know, make it something I really want to do and then I'm going to say yes? Or are we saying immediately yes because you're the Lord and the leader of our life? Listen to uh, this kind of litany of people in the Bible that said yes to the Lord and, and they said yes because he was Lord. Noah said yes to the Lord when God asked him to build an ark. No materials. No support from the community. And he said, yes, you're Lord, you're God. Abraham said yes to the Lord when he asked him to sacrifice his only son. You may be new in your walk to the Lord. It has a happy ending. God provides a sacrifice. He just wanted to see if Abraham would be obedient to do that. But Abraham said yes. Can you imagine every step with your son walking up a hill thinking he's, you're going to end his life when you get to the altar? He said yes. Joseph said yes to God when he was asked to forgive his brothers who sold him into slavery. Every one of us, you know, you're human. Every one of us think about one day, right? I'm going to get even with these people. <laughs> we have a list of them in our mind. I'm going to be in a position. I'm going to be financially independent. I'm going to be the boss, whatever you think it is. And you think at that point, man, we're going to level the playing field, right? And yet, you know, when you, when you really love God and you care about God, when you see people who have abused you suffer, you don't rejoice in it. You hurt. You hurt. There's, there's just recent events here uh, have taken place, and no matter what you think about a person or an individual um, who has been outspoken, when you see them suffering and hurting, if you really belong to God, you, you hurt. You pray for them. It's easy to, to do that when we are walking with the Lord where we should be walking. Joseph said yes to God. Moses said yes to God and told him, uh, when God told him to go to Pharaoh and, and uh, tell Pharaoh to let Israelites go. Rahab said yes to the Lord when she was asked to hide Israelite spies, to risk her own life and the life of her family. If she was exposed, not only would she have been killed, all of the spies been killed, but all of her family would have been killed. David said yes to God when asked to fight Goliath with only a slingshot and stones. You know, give me a bazooka, God. <laughs> That's it. 
Here, here's a sling and three smooth stones. Go get Goliath. Esther said yes when Mordecai told her to go to the king and save her people. You may remember the story. If you haven't, read the book of Esther. It's a beautiful story. She first told Mordecai, you know, I want you just to know, you know, I know you know this, but if you come into the courtroom of the king and you're not invited, and he doesn't raise his scepter, you get your head cut off. There's a guy watching to see if the king's going to raise his scepter when it's your turn to go forward. And if he doesn't, you just get marched to the left or right, and goodbye, your life is over, right? He said, I just, she said, I want you to know that, but I'm going to do it. Because God is God, and I'll say yes to God. Mary said yes when an angel told her she would carry God's son, Jesus. Daniel said yes when God told him not to bow down to other idols, but continue in his worship of him, open the, the windows, pray three times a day, let everybody hear that I'm in charge. And uh, he wound up in a lion's den, and, and uh, the one was a pillow for him, one was a footstool, and they became very good friends. They didn't need him. <laughs> the disciples said yes to Jesus when asked to leave everything and to follow him. Paul said yes to God when asked to deliver the good news to the Gentiles. They were carrying it to the Jews Primarily, and Paul says, God spoke to me to carry it to the Gentile nations. It wasn't popular. There was an argument that broke out over it. But he said, I'm going to say yes to God because God is God. He's in charge. And it made all the difference. I want to invite our worship team to come back. These aspects of us saying yes to God, yielding so that we're, you know, positioned to... Uh, learn and to grow and to hear from God, but that sense of expectation. Yes, God, you love me, and you're going to speak to me as I am, am here available to you, and I am going to say yes, which is the third one, surrender. I'm going to say yes. I am the one who's going to do what you ask me to do. God is talking to each of us. He's speaking to you. And the question for us is, you know, are we listening for God? Are we in expectation of what he's saying for our lives? Are we yielded and positioned so that uh, we can really gain insights as God wants to give us? And are we, you know, really surrendered? We're just kind of waiting for the second word because the first one wasn't all that great. <laughs> God, I don't know, that just really sounds tough. That sounds difficult. Do you have a lesser role. Do you have something else? God's saying, I'm going to go with you every step of the way. You never go alone. And listen, whatever God has called us to do, we couldn't do it anyway on our own, in our own might and our own power. We need him desperately every step of the way. And inviting him into our circumstance, our situation is so vitally important. I want to pray with you. Would you stand with me? Today we have heard the story of young Samuel, God, and his yielding to the voice of God, his, his expectations that that was coming, and his immediate yes, even in the midst of a, a very hard word. 
We are also looking, Father, uh, in this passage at the importance of us raising up our families to know you and to value what the Bible values, to value what you have said in your word. And that we have a responsibility. We can't just turn away and act as if it's, you know, uh, someone else's job. We have a role that is so important. We saw, we visited, Lord, with, with Hannah, and we saw her pour her heart out to God for something that she longed for. But the willingness to say, if you are favorable to grant this, it really belongs to you. I know that. And so I'm going to give him back to you. And God, it shows how much, Lord, how important it is for us to be yielded. Lord, in, in, a, in a way that we are positioned to, to hear from you, to expect to hear from you, and then to follow through in our full surrender of the Lordship over our lives. As we've gathered here today, help us to be fully and surrendered to you and all that you have in store for our lives. We ask this in the mighty name of Jesus.